Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And how blessed we are to be able to come together each day right here on Search the Scriptures and do exactly that. Search the Scriptures of God's Word. Dig deep into those rich teachings and truths. Try to come to a better understanding of God's will for our lives as He has communicated to us through His Word. Oh, you know, the Bible is the most precious and powerful and most blessing-filled book that has ever been written down for the use of mankind. And you know what? In our country, it is the best-selling book, hands down, of all books that are written in a year throughout every year. The Bible is the best-selling book. We've talked about how in many parts of the world, Bibles are not readily available. In some cases, they might even be illegal, at least for open display. In other cases, they're just cultures where, well, ready access to that kind of printed material is just not readily available. And how people would love to have Bibles. And while we have Bible anytime we want it, while we have probably most of us have more than one copy in our homes, in our possessions, so many of us don't open it up, if at all, very few times, and read very little from it, and really don't know much about what it says. That's sad. That's unfortunate. Now, God has given us his word to guide us in his will, and it is through his word that we develop real faith. Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when we don't get into his word, we're handicapping ourselves spiritually. So we need to become students of God's word. No question about it. And diligent students. The Apostle Paul said, the King James Version says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to get into God's word on a regular basis, and we need to do that on a continuing basis. It ought to be our guidebook, our manual for living every day that we're alive on the face of this earth. We want to help you along that line. We want to help your faith to grow. We want to help you come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him as God's Son and your Savior, and surrendering to him in baptism, wherein the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And you will be forgiven. You will be redeemed. You will be saved. And God the Father will adopt you into his family. The Lord himself will put you into his church. How blessed we are to have those promises. God's word teaches us about that. Now, at the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can receive a free Bible study. We always offer this. When we say free, we mean free. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask for it. We'll tell you how to contact us, so have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down that information and then contact us. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD 
again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. Now you can also go to our website, and we encourage you to encourage other people to listen to this program. But we know that people have busy schedules and they cannot always tune in at the times when this program is broadcast, even though it is broadcast several times a day. So go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Now on that website, it'll tell you how to contact us as well. You can do that, in fact, through an email link. But beyond that, scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and it'll take you about one minute to sign up for our podcasting. It's all free. And then when you do that, to whatever device you select, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your pad, your tablet, whatever, smart, whatever device you select, all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, our daily short, about a 12-minute Bible study each day called Today's Bible Class, and all of our radio programs will automatically go to your device. So we encourage you, go to our website, churchofchrist.com. Sign up for our podcasting. And encourage everybody else you can to do the same. We're going to get back into our study on grace. And in this particular section of our study, we're looking at this perspective of God's grace, the general subject that tells us that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's grace. Now we've looked at John chapter 1 in verse 17, where John wrote, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We've already noted, and we've looked at this in some depth and detail, that the first part of that verse, the law was given through Moses, is a reference to the Old Testament law of Moses. It is not referring to God's spiritual law toward mankind for all time. God has always given man spiritual law, guidance, telling him, this is how I want you to live, and when you do not obey me, then that's sin. We've already gone through that in depth and detail to establish that fact. We're looking at the second part of the verse. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, why we're doing this in this kind of depth and detail is because there are a lot of people who, they look at this verse and they say, uh, see there, Jesus brought an end to law. And they're talking about spiritual law from God. We're only under grace and truth now. Now, what we're trying to get across is that is a gross misunderstanding and application of this particular verse of Scripture. First, again, the phrase, the law, refers to the law given by God to Moses in the wilderness. That's clearly understood in the verse itself. The law was given through Moses. It's not talking about all spiritual law that God has given or continues to give to mankind. We noted that God gave law to Adam and Eve in the garden told them not to eat of the fruit of a particular tree because they would die if they did. 
when they broke that commandment, they violated God's spiritual law that he had given to them in that regard, and he punished them for it. And the need for a savior was immediately apparent because they had become sinners, and they needed forgiveness. So God prophesied in Genesis 3 and verse 15 that he would send his son as the savior, and that his son would ultimately crush the head of Satan, who had appeared to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. From that point forward, through the rest of the Old Testament, everything basically points toward the coming of Christ as the Savior. Now, Jesus did not bring grace when he came into this world for the first time. Grace, God's grace, already existed and was bestowed upon mankind and exhibited throughout the Old Testament period. We noted how God's grace should have been evident to Cain after Cain had murdered his brother in Genesis chapter 4. And God did not destroy him at that point, did not execute him. He let him have another chance. He let him have opportunity to come to repentance. We noted how in Deuteronomy chapter 4, that is, Moses was going over, kind of capsulizing the history of the Israelite people up until that time as they were poised on the eastern bank of the Jordan River and just ready to cross the river and go into the promised land and take possession of it. Moses is going over their history, again, in just kind of a nutshell format. Well, was it not by grace that God chose Israel to be his people? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and verses 33 through 38. Was it not by God's grace that he led them through the wilderness wanderings and led them to the promised land and gave that to them? Was it not by God's grace that through his prophecies given to the Israelites in the Old Testament scriptures that Christ would come into the world as Savior of mankind? We look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, and let's look at verses 6 through 8. Further demonstration of God's grace in Old Testament times. Moses says, for you, speaking to the Israelites, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because, because, and let me get the pages separated here. He did not choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you are the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath with which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out, of a, out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Well, that was all by God's grace. When we look at the ninth chapter, the ninth chapter of Deuteronomy, we read verses four through six. Similarly, 
Do you not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is giving them, or is rather is driving them out before you. And so Moses is saying, when you go in and take the land, when God gives you possession of this promised land, don't think it's because you're such great people, because you deserve it because of your holiness, but rather it's because of the sinfulness of those people that God is giving you this land, driving them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the righteousness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Well, again, God's grace exhibited toward the Israelites in Old Testament times. Let's turn to Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, what a great collection of wisdom God has provided for us in this particular writing. We want to look, though, just at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. And here the wise man wrote, Surely he, that is God, scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. There's grace again. In the Old Testament, God's grace was evident in what he did for Israel. God's grace was exhibited in giving them the promised land. And obviously, God's grace was abundant in the Old Testament. Think how many times he provided for the Israelites. Again, through those 40 years of wilderness wanderings, he fed them daily, miraculously. They did not have to plant crops. He provided the food for them. And he blessed them in that their clothes did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. He took care of them. When they were lacking water, he provided water for them miraculously. When they were being attacked by enemies, he led them to victory and gave them victory over those enemies. The promised land itself was promised to their forefathers, and God led them to that land in fulfillment of that promise he had made to their forefathers. God's grace was abundant and evident on a continual basis throughout the Old Testament. Now, if we had been simply the judges of the people, the people in general of the earth. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, when they broke God's commandment and ate of that forbidden fruit, how would we have dealt with that? Well, God judged them. He punished them. He held them accountable because they had broken his spiritual law. But would we have been that gracious toward them? 
to still bless them in all of the ways he did thereafter? Or would we have been of the mindset to say, look at all that I've done for them. Look at how I created them in my image with a soul. Put them in this garden that was probably paradise on earth. Created them without sin, without guilt. And they turned their back on me in this way. Disobeyed me, disrespected me. We might have been inclined, had we been the judges, to wipe them out right there. And what about in the days of Noah? When the intents and thoughts of the hearts of mankind was only evil continually, with the exception of Noah and his family. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Adam and Eve found grace in the eyes of the Lord by his giving them the opportunity to live for him once again, to be reconciled to him. That was God's grace. God's grace. When the Israelites had been made, had been made slaves, basically, under Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had been put into bondage, by God's grace, he sent Moses to lead them out of that captivity and to lead them to the promised land. And when we think about all of the times the nation of Israel, the Israelites, the people, turned their backs on God, disobeyed him, worshipped idols, even at one point it seems that they had forgotten that they even had the book of the law. Now that's how far down they had sunk And yet God kept giving them the opportunity to repent. How many times would you accept repentance and the asking of forgiveness from somebody who kept doing you wrong on an ongoing, continuing basis? Oh, they would have periods where they were loyal to you. But even a lot of those periods would be mixed with disloyalty and disobedience and disrespect. And there would be some times when they would just pretty much completely turn away from you altogether. But then they would keep coming back and and trying to reconcile, trying to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. How many times would you forgive? How many times would you accept them back? How many second chances and third and fourth and fiftieth chances would you give them? You see, God exhibited his grace toward the Israelites, the people of Israel, through whose bloodline he would send the Savior into the world. He kept forgiving. He kept giving them another chance and giving them his guidance and leadership. He kept blessing them. Now, he did not excuse their sinfulness. He held them accountable for that. He punished them over and over again because of their disobedience and unfaithfulness. But he kept giving them another chance. He kept forgiving them. His grace 
was abundant in Old Testament times. Now, why am I emphasizing this? Because of that verse of Scripture that so many people misunderstand, apparently, in such a gross way. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God's grace was already in this world and already exhibited on an ongoing basis in abundance. Ah, but the ultimate fulfillment of his grace would be sending his son as the savior into this world and to that cross to die, to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind for all time. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's grace. Now next time we're going to look at the second part or the second question from that verse. And that has to do with truth. Did Jesus bring truth for the first time into this world when he came as the savior? Absolutely not. God's truth has always been here. Whether men believed it or not, whether they followed it or not, whether they followed him through that truth or not, his truth has always been right here in this world. Let's go to our Heavenly Father and pray. Father, help us to open our eyes to the truth of your word, to the grace that you offer us and that you have bestowed upon us already so abundantly and help us to focus on the grace that you offer us through Jesus Christ, which is forgiveness and redemption, salvation, eternal life. And help us, Father, to open our hearts, to humble ourselves to come to you for the realization of that grace in our lives. We praise you, Father, and give you the glory. Please forgive us and hear a prayer, gracious Father, through your Son's name. Amen.